Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are. My name is Sion, and you are listening to Apricity. Apricity means the warmth of the sun in the winter. My hope is that this podcast brings you some comfort, some warmth. So grab a cup of tea, and let's get into today's episode. It is currently 5.34 p.m. on a Thursday evening. I am sitting under a big fluffy blanket, watching blips of the sunset go down, listening to the ocean, watching the birds. It is raining outside, which is my favorite weather. I went to school in Washington State for a year partially because I like the rain so much and because the Twilight movies deeply impacted me at a very young age. The rain just makes the world feel soft and quiet. I love wintertime. I think it's a really good season to turn inwards, reflect, and think really intentionally about what you want in the upcoming year. It has been a while since we've chatted. I've missed you very much. I've tried to record a few episodes that I did not put out. I wish I could say that the break was planned, but truthfully, I was in a headspace where I was dealing with a lot of grief over loss trying to handle new transitions in my life and really working through patterns I had to release in order to feel free. Just some light stuff. And I've been told a lot that 23 is your 12th house perfection year, which is a really transformative year. Jupiter throws in some challenges to change and clear things. I felt like I was forced to sit with patterns that no longer are serving me. I turned 24 on January 1st and I can confidently say I have really come to know myself on a deeper level this year and really understand what works for me and what doesn't. So thanks, Jupiter. (laughs) Which brings me into today's podcast episode, which is how to get out of your own way and steps to accomplish your goals. I was inspired to do today's podcast topic by a recent shift in my life that happened. One night after work, I got a text from my best friend, Sophia, asking me if I wanted to run a half marathon with her. Immediately, I just thought yes, without even really considering it too much. I felt viscerally that it was something I wanted to do. I had this visual come into my head when she texted me. And it was all the runners I had seen going for runs at first light in the morning. They all looked so healthy and just glowing from the inside out. 
And I remember looking at them and thinking, I wish that could be me. Running far just seemed very unattainable to me. When I was younger, I used to go for a lot of walks in nature to help my depression when I was in high school. And those walks turned into runs. The runs were not very far. I don't think I ever ran more than two miles. But the endorphins from it are so good for your mental health. It helped me come off of a really heavy dose of antidepressants when I was in high school. So when she texted me that, I had this visceral reaction that told me, do it for your younger self. And instead of thinking, I wish that could be me, that night before I went to bed, after saying yes to her, I was overthinking. And I just stopped myself and I was like, instead of thinking, I wish that could be me running at first light, I need to just decide it's going to be me. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna make a plan. I signed up with the app RunKeeper, which is really helpful for anyone trying to get into running. This was about a month ago. I was not doing cardio regularly and running more than a mile was intimidating. I was only doing Pilates a few times a week and walking. So I got a new pair of Hoka's and I decided to start. My first run, I went at sunrise to the beach because that is my favorite place to run. I can watch the ocean, be around other people, and I did two miles. And I was out of breath. My legs were hurting. I immediately was like, what have I gotten myself into? I don't ever run. I've never been good at running. But again, I felt like I was doing something to make my younger self proud. And that is more motivating than anything. When you do things for your child self, you're doing that for the most raw and real version of you. And I struggled a lot with disordered eating and having a bad relationship with exercise for years. And now that I am in a really good place with food and exercise, I feel healthy and strong enough to push my body. It's actually really nice working towards the ability to do something rather than looking a certain way or trying to reach an aesthetic goal. There's nothing wrong with that, but most of the time that I've worked out has been for an aesthetic goal. This is to prove to myself that I can do hard things and to celebrate that my body is able and healthy. If there's one thing I've learned about, it is how to pull myself out of dark places. And part of pulling yourself out of a dark place is recognizing you're in one. In order to gap who you are and who you want to be, you have to get out of your own way. So these are six lessons, steps I have learned to get out of my own way. Mostly 
in practice for the past month what I have been living by. You have to have your why. You have to know why you're doing it and who you're doing it for. So step one, do it for yourself. You know how in the movies the football player says to the dad, it's not my dream dad, it's yours? That is a very common realization people in their 20s have. They realize they're going down a path their parents wanted for them and they're not doing what they actually love because it doesn't make X amount of money or isn't as normal of a job or their family doesn't approve of it. Often people internalize common dreams in our society, the place we grew up, where we went to college, and think those dreams of the people around us are our own. So we try to achieve those dreams and consciously, subconsciously seek validation from those who projected the dreams onto us in the first place. And when we achieve those things, sometimes we feel empty. I am speaking from my own experience. I have worked towards a lot of things in my life out of ego because I thought it would get me approval from other people. It's never really satisfying when you complete those things. Something I've been asking myself is, is this something I actually want or is it something I was taught to want in all areas of my life? Do things to get approval from yourself. People are going to project their own feelings onto what you're doing always. It's not personal. It's just something people do in order to guide you in a way that they think is helpful because that's what they would do. But their way of existing and your way of existing are entirely different. No two people are the same. So at the end of the day, you just have to listen to your own inner voice above anyone else's. When you learn that all you need to do is accept yourself, you no longer fear the rejection of others. Number two is practice surrender. Tara Brack is a meditation teacher who has really helped me in the process of working on surrender. Her meditations are my go-tos. When I feel anxious, when I can't sleep, when I need some guidance, she is my comfort person. (laughs) She did a talk where she explained that in our life, we all have dragons. We have these things inside of us that are hard to face. And often we think we have to slay these dragons But usually, these dragons just need to be met with love and compassion. We can see these dragons as a resistance in our life. And when you create resistance to the resistance, it only leads to suffering. I hope I explained that well. I feel like maybe I didn't. But essentially, what I'm saying is that the only way we can work through things is when we meet them with love and compassion. When I get panic attacks and try to talk myself out of them, it always makes me more anxious. But when I take space to accept where I'm at, 
and really meet the feelings underneath my panic attacks, I always feel less heavy. My mantra that I repeat almost every day when I feel myself resisting is more space, more ease, more flow. Sometimes going for a run feels like resistance. Sometimes I really don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. But when I meet that with loving compassion, when I ask myself while running, where can I find more space in my body? Can I relax my shoulders? Can I unclench my jaw? Where can I find more ease in my mind? What am I holding on to? What can I let go of? What am I resisting? How can I find more flow in this moment? Where can I lean into what is in front of me? Number three is let go of anything not in alignment with what you're working towards. I've had this one scene from Bojack Horseman stuck in my head for months now, and I just need to talk about it. Without giving anything away, Cuddly Whiskers says to Diane, you need to take responsibility for your own happiness. It takes a long time to realize how truly miserable you are, and even longer to realize that it doesn't have to be that way. Only after you give up everything can you begin. One of my favorite scenes forever, like a snake shedding its skin, you have to let go of who you once were in order to move on to the next version of you. Sometimes that requires making sacrifices. Sometimes you have to reevaluate your relationship to people and things around you. I have had to reevaluate my relationship with alcohol because I found that it was just creating a lot of anxiety for me the day after I would drink. And I hadn't really had this response to alcohol before, but it really has been coming up for me the last few months. I'd get heart palpitations in the middle of the night after drinking, and I wouldn't drink heavily. It would even be just after one or two drinks. Your body will communicate to you whether something is working for you or not. My body was trying to communicate with me that alcohol was not settling right with it. And truthfully, I just no longer crave the high highs of drinking followed by the low lows of the 2 a.m. panic attack, the low low. The euphoria just does not have the same appeal to me because I know the implications of it. And I feel that way about a lot of things. Having a more neutral relationship is a lot more peaceful than giving you some sort of a high but I just don't mistake the highs for happiness anymore. I realize happiness is more something that equates to feeling safe and feeling healthy and feeling full without something external. And that's not me saying I'm anti-drinking, but I think sometimes we struggle with sacrifices that come with our goals. For me, it's just more fulfilling to make the hard choice in the moment to make my entire life easier than make the easy choice and then my life feels hard. With that being said, number four, practicing discipline over motivation. Most days I wake up and I do not feel like running, but if I did things based off of 
what I felt like doing, I would never get things done. I probably wouldn't get to work. I probably would not show up to so many social events that I'm always happy I went to after. Motivation is something that comes and goes. Understand that you're not a machine, but also sometimes you have to overcome how you feel in the moment for how you'll feel after. I remind myself every single time I run that I am someone who makes promises to myself and keeps them. And it has helped me build such a strong relationship with myself. And if I fail when I'm on my run, that's okay because it's better than not doing it at all. I failed the other day on my run. I was supposed to run sprints and I ended up doing sprint then walk and then would try to jog and it was just such a mess, but it's better than doing nothing. Which goes into the next one. Create a strong boundary between discipline and rest. When are you just existing and enjoying existing? Again, you are not a machine. Rest is so, so, so important. I spent most of high school and college never sleeping and drinking three coffees a day, and I think it took years off of my life. I probably would have been so much more productive if I just let myself sleep and I just slowed down and I just let myself have time to think clearly. When you don't sleep, your brain just cannot function at the same capacity. Your body cannot function at the same capacity. I've learned I need eight hours of sleep each night to be a functioning human being. I need to eat food that grows from the soil. I need to go outside and breathe in fresh air. I need to spend time with my loved ones and play board games. You can't create new ways of living if you're depleted. You need to be nourished in all aspects of your life. There's a concept called a minimum daily requirement, which is how much you need of something in order to be a functioning human. Figuring out yours to stay on track with whatever you're working towards is really important because it'll keep you in alignment with your goal. And everyone has different minimum daily requirements. Not everyone needs to do deep breathing every day. Not everyone needs to go for long walks. Everyone has different things that work for them. Just learning what yours are and not trying to match someone else's. I used to try to do way too many things every day until I realized I'm a really simple person. For me, simplicity works better. Number five, six, be realistic. Create a timeline. Most people say it takes about 15 weeks to train for a half marathon. So I broke up 15 weeks into micro goals week by week and then day by day. I scheduled what time and where I was doing four runs a week, how far I was going, set my outfits out the night before, then woke up and did my run at a certain time. This has helped me build from only being able to run two miles to seven miles in a month. One of the things I really learned in college 
was to give myself enough time and enough planning and enough support so that I wasn't scrambling or stressed. It's always better to try to break things down into realistic micro steps. It makes things less intimidating. Also helps you show up in the world in a way that aligns with your goal. On top of that, don't try to do too much at once. I'm a big believer in just one thing at a time. And then once you're settled with that thing and you're in a good routine, you can add on things. Lastly, be okay with fucking up. No one's journey is ever linear. In my half marathon journey, there have been so many days where I just don't finish the run or I have to walk or I have to do a shorter distance. I was sick for two and a half weeks with laryngitis and couldn't run at all. But what matters is that you keep trying despite it all. It's not about doing things perfectly. It's about just trying. That is all for today. I am so excited to be back. It feels really good to be recording again. Really quickly, I wanted to walk you guys through how I do New Year's intention setting and making New Year's resolutions. I am someone who does believe in them. I know a lot of people don't. I just think that it's always good to reevaluate where you're at and I love to do a good reflection. What I did is I wrote down my challenges this year and then my highlights. Some of my highlights were getting to go to Europe for the first time as an adult. I've only been as a really small child. I graduated college. I really got to know myself on a deeper level. I started training for a half marathon, which I promise guys, not every episode is just going to be me talking about running. I won't become one of those people who allows working out (laughs) to be their entire personality. I read a lot of good books, so many good books this year. Some of my favorites were Black Swans by Eve Babbitt, The Idiot by Elif Botman, All About Love by Bell Hooks, Wabi Sabi for artists, designers, poets, and philosophers, Normal People by Sally Rooney. That one is probably my favorite book I've read this year, and I still haven't seen the show. Joan Didion, The White Album, My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa, Moshfag, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Slouching Towards Los Angeles, Living and Writing in Joan Didion's Light. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Some of my challenges. I definitely isolated a lot this year. I felt lost a lot. Felt very lost and scared and just like not sure what was coming next. Those were some of my challenges. And then my favorite way to manifest slash write down goals because you can do both at the same time, I think. I will write a master manifestation list and then I will write month by month what my goals are. So for this month, I have certain running goals I'm trying to hit. I write those down, what book I'm reading this month, 
and then I'll break that up week by week. So next week, what am I doing to do those things? And I find that's a really good way to set intentions. What are my words for this year? My mantra for the past six months has been more space, more ease, more flow. And I think I'm going to keep that one for right now because it's been working for me. You can even make a little vision board if you want. I'm not a big vision board person. I go on Pinterest all the time, but I don't like the process of like printing things out and cutting them up. So I'll just make Pinterest boards for different months. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good year. Sending you guys all a big hug. Happy New Year. Love your friend Sion.